Good morning. It's so good to be with you all today. It's an honor to be able to speak with y'all today. Like Peter said in the, the video, I'm taking a break from my kids directing duties to bring you a message from the Lord, if that's okay with you. Yeah. And if you're new here, thank you for being here. Uh, it is not Youth Sunday. I did not come from the youth group to come preach today. I actually graduated college and all that good stuff. But if you don't know me, my name is Philip McCorder. I, uh, I am a follower of Jesus. I am the husband of Hannah McCorder. I'm the father of Eli and Lottie McCorder. And they're actually not here today, unfortunately. They're, uh, they had some fever going on at the house. So I'm a little bummed, but that's okay. We're going to jump right into this, the uh, scripture for today. We're in Titus chapter Three, Titus chapter 3, and we're in this sermon series called Titus. It's very original title, but we've went through chapter 1, first week, chapter 2, the second week, and now we're chapter 3. And I want to talk to you about healthy living, healthy living, as it pertains to chapter 3 of Titus. So if you wouldn't mind standing to honor God's word as I read chapter 3, 1 verse 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version this morning. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He generously poured out this Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these things, these teachings, so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved with foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience and Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing division among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sins condemn them. You can be seated as I pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us today. I pray you give us wisdom with what we hear from your word and courage to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have several crazy boss stories. Anybody have any crazy boss stories? Maybe not a crazy boss, but maybe a crazy teacher or heaven forbid, a crazy parent. Really any authority figure in your life that exercises their power before they develop a relationship first. That's what I'm really talking about with crazy stories. And I have actually experienced this with a particular boss. One of the first jobs I had right out of college, I had a boss who, let's just say, showed me how not to be a boss in the future. Okay? 
He, I, I could write a book about all the things that I shouldn't do as a boss watching this guy. I actually have a really catchy title. I would call it How to Lose an Employee in 10 Days. That's what I would call it. So his actions gave me the, the feeling like he didn't really care about me as a person. He was just using me to his own end. And what's worse is he actually sat me down one time and said, you may not talk about your faith on the premises. And that really, really hurt me because my faith is central to my life. So it's like, don't talk about your life. And so there was this particular moment that um, my wife remembers more than I because I think she had some, some choice words for the man. But I remember I was sitting in a room with my boss, and we were doing something. We were working on a project or whatever. And I don't know if I said something. I probably said something. But I don't know if I it, what ha- whatever happened, he got really, really mad. He stood up, cussed me out, walked out of the room, slammed the door, and I'm sitting there going, what just happened? It was crazy moment. And, you know, it's understandable if, you know, this happened once. I mean, we all kind of, sometimes we blow up, right? But this was a pattern over and over again. I would come to work and not know if I was going to set them off by something I said or if I looked at them funny. Um, there was this one time, I mean, this was a toxic environment. There was this one time where I was working, it's got to be over 50 hours in three or four days. I mean, I was working a lot for this one particular project, and I had been paid hourly up until this point, I guess. And so I worked really hard, and I was expecting to get paid hourly. And then after the project was over, I'd worked so hard, I was so proud, my boss looked at me and said, oh, by the way, you're going to get paid a day rate on, on the days that you work and not hourly. And that moment, I didn't receive several hundred dollars from my boss. And he brushed it off like no big deal. It was really rough. I mean, I would come home weekly or even daily really discouraged. And, you know, waiting for that moment where I could just walk into that place and go, you know what, I quit, and walk out with that feeling of triumph that all of us daydream about whenever you have a rough job situation. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> we all do that. And unfortunately, that moment never occurred. Instead, shortly after the birth of my son, I became a father, and I looked at my bills and said, hey, I should probably ask for a raise. So I, I talked to my boss and said, hey, do, would you mind, can I have a raise? And he said, oh, I'll think about it. A couple weeks later, he sat me down and he said, I've considered your raise, and I've decided to let you go. Ouch. So needless to say, needless to say, I know what it feels like to be under a poor authority figure. I know what it feels like. And I tell you that story so that we can all be kind of on the same page about this one fact. We all have circumstances and situations that are not ideal. And I bet you that most of your life, you have many scenarios and situations that don't go as planned or don't go ideal. So what are we supposed to do in the majority of our life that doesn't go as planned? How do we live in circumstances that really hurt, that sting, 
that feel impossible. Sometimes you feel trapped, like you can't do what you want to do, or worse, do what you were meant to do. And these looming questions are the basis of the purpose of why I'm here today speaking to you, because I want to talk to you about healthy living, healthy living. Now, clearly, I am the best candidate for talking about healthy living, because I do work out regularly, daily, in fact. I actually bench press 400 pounds, you know, and, you know, I run a mile in under five minutes. Did you know that about me? What's even better is I'm a really good cook. I can cook with all the organic ingredients. I can cook the best dairy-free, gluten-free, meat-free meal, gourmet meal you've ever had in your whole life, right? Now, that's kind of what our culture says is healthy living, kind of, but I don't really think that's what we're talking about today. I think we're talking, the Apostle Paul in chapter 3 is talking about healthy living as it relates, you can change one word and turn around and say godly living, godly living. Well, I'm going to talk about healthy living in that respect. So I really want to develop this into looking at it in the sense of chapter 3. Before I jump ahead of myself, I want to develop this. Chapter 3, I want to look at some of the major sections of chapter 3 and kind of the layout of how it, it flows. And then hopefully we can talk about what God is saying to us nowadays. Nowadays. And so I see three major sections to those that passage that I, I read. So the first section is verses 1 and 2. And this is what I like to call like a string of commands, the do's and the don'ts. Now, section two would be verses three through seven. And this is the grounds on how we're able to do the string of commands. And then we have section three, finally. It's eight through 11. And this is a description on how it benefits other people for our healthy living. Okay? So it's important to note that Titus 3, written by the Apostle Paul to Titus, is written to Christians, and it's written for how we are to conduct ourselves. And so if, if you're not necessarily 100% into following Jesus, or maybe you just not a, don't go to church regularly, or just visiting or whatever, the principles, the moral principles in Titus are things you still desire in other people to experience. You still want people to be good employees. It's just a little bit more difficult to apply it to your own disposition. And so I challenge each of us, no matter what spectrum you're on today, to see yourself in the scriptures as I develop the rest of this message. But I have three points today, three simple, three points. And the points come from each section that I just described. And it's kind of like a main theme uh, for the section. So point number one, here we go. Do what God says to do. And this point seems to go without saying, but so often we go without saying what God says to do. Okay? We can read scripture and see the lines that say, be subject to authority and the officers and be obedient, and we can just brush it off or go right past it and just zoom right by and not really apply it to our lives. But even worse, we can enforce it on other people. 
do what God says to do. You remember the story about, you know, my job experience. I had this experience that was not ideal nor desirable. So what was I supposed to do in that scenario? I was supposed to do what God said to do. I was supposed to do what God says to do. Through religious persecution and verbal abuse, I was still supposed to listen to God and do what he says to do. God doesn't say be subject to authority when they're good. God doesn't say to be obedient whenever it's convenient. He doesn't say be gentle to those that are gentle. Be courteous to those that you like. He doesn't say that. What really goes without saying in these verses is, in all situations, in all circumstances, do these things. Do these things. And that's what we're talking about right now is that what these things are, are healthy living. But what if I'm treated like this? What if I'm not being paid what I need to be paid? What if, what if they're persecuting me? What if I'm unhappy? What are you supposed to do? God says to do these things, and that's what healthy living is. And I see really no way to avoid these commands. You know, sometimes sometimes we get in this thing like, it was written so many years ago, you know. I, I don't have to follow that, but I just don't see a way looking at the scripture to avoid these sorts of commands. And sometimes it makes me really uncomfortable to follow these things. Sometimes it, I really want to begrudge, I, I, I really wanted to begrudge my, uh, my boss and speak evil of him because, man, he deserved it. And, you know, I really wanted to do those things. But would me saying those things produce more health in me? I'll ask it another way. Are you more healthy when you complain and speak evil of other people? Or is it the opposite? Do you feel more negative? Do you feel darker? Do you feel like maybe you have like a, like a weight on your shoulders? Not really peace. That's my story. That's my story. Um, I, I do have a testimony, though, from that time period. Uh, under that particular boss. That was the, about the time that I started participating in growth group. And if you don't know what a growth group is, it's a small group of people from our church meeting at houses or throughout the week. And we, we talk about the sermon, and then we pray for, for one another and, and others. And so I started participating in a growth group, and there were guys surrounding me that would encourage me and help me to follow God in spite of the scenario that I was in. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? Have you ever had that experience where somebody won't let you off the hook to feel worse than you really should be feeling at the moment? It's oddly refreshing. It's oddly refreshing. If you've never had people around you like that to talk to you, and to work through some of those things as it relates to your relationship with God, I encourage you to find a growth group. Find a growth group, test the waters. It may not be as satisfying at first, kind of like eating the salad, but, <laughs> but it is the best thing for you and me. This point, do what God says to do, also applies to when you're called to leave a place. When you're called to leave. Um, I waited and waited until God would release me from that job. And I knew in my heart, I knew that God had something better for me. I did. But he had called me to stay for those moments. 
And so I was to do what God said to do in those moments. And I'm grateful that I followed God and I didn't prematurely end my stint at this job because now I have an amazing job. I get to be here with you. And so praise God for doing what he says to do because there are some major benefits. But whatever you do, you, if you're needing to stay or if you need to leave, go back to point one. Do whatever God says to do. So that's point one. Point two is God's mercy and grace empowers us. For us to know what healthy living looks like, we kind of have to know what unhealthy living looks like. For you to know what light is, you have to experience darkness. It's just some logic there. Then section two gives us the basis on how we're able to do what God says to do. If Titus chapter three ended at verse two, I feel like the apostle Paul would be setting us up for failure. Because I don't know about you, but I don't do a lot of things I know I should. Okay, so I do the things that I know I shouldn't do, even though I know what I should be doing. And this is the great mystery of human nature. Paul actually talks about this in another letter in Romans 7.15. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So we're left with a dilemma here. In order to experience healthy living, we need to follow a string of commands that we are not able to follow. And we're not capable of following. But section two, praise the Lord, describes how we are able and it's possible to follow the commands of God. Listen to this paraphrase from Eugene Peterson from the message. This is the, the second section in the paraphrase. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. That would be me. Dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our, Spirit, our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously, God's gifts, God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come in excuse me, an eternity of life, you can count on this. The Cliff's Notes version of this section is, you used to do all the bad stuff, but now God's mercy and grace has empowered you to not do all those bad things. Praise God. This is really my story. I, I was born in the church. I grew up participating in kids' ministry and going to kids' camps and memorizing the Bible. Uh, I remember vividly, when I was seven, giving my life to Jesus at a church camp. And I was baptized, water baptized shortly after. And I started to live a regenerated life that needed way more regeneration, if you know what I mean. Uh, I, I'd say I was a pretty good kid, except for when it came to relationships with people. I was arrogant, I was rude, I was prideful. I was selfish. I mean, come on, let's just keep going with the list here because I fulfilled them all. I really wasn't good at subjecting myself 
to authorities or even obeying my parents very well. And surely I was not good at not fighting and quarreling with other folks. I, I definitely didn't follow the commands that were presented in the section one of Titus three. But, but on my birthday weekend in 2009, God did an amazing thing in my life. He poured out his Holy Spirit on me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit that weekend. And then, check it out, I started doing the things that God said to do. But this is what wasn't some new resolve to follow what God wanted me to do. God's mercy and grace empowered me to do what God said to do. My, uh, yeah, clap, that's good. I, I think I'm more excited than you are, but that's okay. It's my story. My experience lines up so well with Titus chapter 3. We must do what God says to do, but we can't unless God gives us the power to do it. And this is a really freeing thought. If you can really kind of feel it, if you can feel this thought, it's God's power that enables us to experience healthy living. And I don't know where you are on the spectrum here of healthy living, non-healthy living, but if you're not experiencing healthy living, Pay attention to this next part. If you're not experiencing healthy living right now, this will change your life, I promise. If you're not experiencing healthy living right now, ask God to give you the power. It's that simple. Ask God. I mean, how many times do you just beat yourself up over the things you just don't do right? What can you do? Ask God to give you the power to do what he says. There's always a way out of every situation with God when you talk to him and you ask. Do what God says to do because God's mercy and grace empowers us, which leads me to my third point. Bless other people. I'm going to read Titus 3, 8, and 9 from the ESV version. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Do you love it when people do the things that God says to do in this chapter like do you like those people do you want to hang out with those people a little bit more is it profitable to you when you hang out with those people i have a really good friend his name is Froy, and he's a great example of healthy living uh, i can pretty much talk to him about everything anything and everything and he helps direct my thoughts my frustrations and he gives me wisdom on what i'm going through and His attitude blesses me so much. And whenever I grow up, I want to be like Freud. (laughs) Who's subsequently being like Jesus? Consider this. What if we all, even just in this room, what if we all decided to interact with one another the way that the Bible describes in chapter 3? What if we did that? Would it be good? Would it be profitable 
would it profit a business if we decided to bless the people around us? Would it bless your family if you decided to do these things? Would it bless your classmates? Would it bless your immediate circle around you? I think it would. I believe the Apostle Paul when he says these things are profitable and excellent. Healthy living will not only bring a benefit to you, but it will bless the people around you. However, I'm not talking about the negative people-pleasing side of this, okay? I don't even think Paul's talking about this. When you consider verse 10, it says, If people are causing division among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. Don't worry about them. Healthy living gives you the freedom to interact with people the way God intend you to, intended you to interact with people, and that will bless people. Well, you say that this is all good and dandy, but what happens when we just don't do it? We read it, we like it, then we don't do it. Why? Well, there's always a cost to following Jesus. When I was writing the history of of my job experience, I had to kind of rewrite it several times <laughs> because of that, that feeling of wanting to bash my boss, that feeling of pleasure. I had to rewrite it because my tendency was to do that. And in a way, I had to kill part of myself in order to write a story that would honor God and honor my boss. It cost me the feeling of pleasure. And really, isn't that what we all struggle with? When God's commands come in direct conflict with our pleasures. I mean, we like the idea of blessing others, but as soon as it costs us a little bit, well, no, not going to do it. Uh, you know, we no longer want to do what God says. Furthermore, we don't even ask God to empower us to do it anymore. We don't even ask. I don't know if you've ever experienced this downward spiral of unhealthy living, but I can tell you from my own personal experience excuse me, that sacrificing your own pleasure at the start is way better than the unhealthy living. And this struggle is most revealed in me uh, as I'm trying to be a good husband and father, the, the husband and father that God's called me to be. I, I really like my alone time. Uh, I really like it to be quiet. I like movies. I like my couch. But these desires and pleasures come in direct conflict with the other members of my family. Okay? I'm hardly ever alone. Okay? My kids love to scream. It's a blast. Uh, you know, who has time for a movie anymore? A whole movie good night and you know it's sitting really is not an option when you have toddlers and there's dishes to to wash and and clothes to put up sitting is just out of the picture and but what am i supposed to do i still like those other things since my daughter lottie has was born i uh found myself in in this downward spiral of unhealthy living I was diving deeper and deeper into my own selfishness. And I really felt like I couldn't get out of it. 
nor did I want to make the sacrifices to get out of it. Uh, I was just, I was down. I wanted those other things so much more. And uh, until this really amazing moment, God revealed to me the sin of my own selfishness as I was reading a book. And then that same day, I was listening to a sermon that was on the exact same topic that I was reading in that book. And God revealed it again, the sin of my selfishness. Okay, but that's not all. That hurt, but that's not all. God started a new work in me that day. He started to empower me to make the changes that I needed to make. And I'll tell you, I wasn't in I wasn't able to do it before, but for some reason that day God said, now you're able. My mercy and grace is good for you. Now, I'll tell you this. My experience with sacrificing myself is way better than unhealthy living because my wife likes me better and my kids are more likely, I say this more likely, more likely to listen and obey to my loving kindness over my frustration and anger. Now, let's review. Healthy living is doing what God says to do because God's mercy and grace empowers us to bless other people. And I feel like I would do everyone in this service a disservice if I stopped the message right here. Because this is all good for filling our minds with the knowledge of Scripture, which is good. I, I, I love this. But I'm more interested in seeing the Holy Spirit do a work of renewing in us, regeneration in us. And I have to make a distinction. For those that are not 100% into the following Jesus or just coming to church, this might not make a whole lot of sense, the rest of this message, but I encourage you to stay. I hope it compels you to keep coming back, keep learning more about Jesus. But for those that claim to follow Jesus... There is one verse in this passage that is the key to learning everything you need to know about having the right perspective in life, about have healthy living. It will change your life. And it comes from verse 7, and I'm going to read it real quick. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Do you see it? The confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Christians, we have an inheritance. And I believe that this inheritance is the ultimate healthy living. It is eternal life. And I know it's really, really hard to grasp what eternity is going to... I know it's, it's a concept that sometimes is just way beyond us. But like I said, if you, can, if you can get this in your heart, if you can feel it in that, that eternity mindset, it will change everything about everything you see and do in your whole life. If you have a job situation, terrible job situation, and you have a terrible boss, you know you have a greater boss in heaven. If you have a, a country that you live in that's hostile to your, your beliefs, and you feel persecuted, you know what? You have a greater country that you're going to go to, and you have a greater leader than any king or president has ever lived. 
okay? If you, if you have to fight, you feel like you have to fight, but you really know that I don't have to fight because I have someone fighting for me, that's kingdom perspective. That's eternity perspective. That's a heavenly perspective. That is the key to truly living a healthy life now because you've already received a healthy life in the future. Amen? Having an internal perspective, eternal perspective, will break the vicious cycle and the downward spiral of unhealthy living. It will give you a better cycle, which is healthy living is doing what God says to do because God's mercy and grace empowers us to bless others. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word today. Your word is amazing. When we really dive into the riches of what you say, you want to bless us with healthy living. You desire it so bad. And I thank you for that, that we can be your kids, your children. And you just want to bless us to, to where we can bless other people. And Lord, right now, I ask that you give us mercy and grace more and more and more to do what you say, Lord. And let us see the benefits that it produces in other people. Let us experience the joy in other people's faces as we bless people. Lord, I pray that when we do for others today, Lord, I pray that we would experience the joy and not the, the, uh, the selfish things that would keep us back. Lord, I pray we would see the joy of giving to other people. We'd see the joy of blessing other people and that your spirit would go before us and be with us. And we love you, Lord. We're so thankful to be in your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So next week is Easter. It's a very exciting time for us. Next week is Easter, and we're starting in a brand new sermon series entitled God's Not Dead. And we have these, uh, these cards in the back, uh, these flyers to invite your friends and your and people around you. But if you need any prayer for anything, maybe the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today about something in particular, uh, please don't rush out of here. Come pray with us. There will be a few people at the front to pray. But other than that, we're dismissed. Thank you so much.